0: Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we discuss and review movies, trailers, TV shows, and pretty much anything pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be giving our take on Marvel's Labor Day release of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. My name is Emmett, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and back-to-the-future brainiac, Ivan.
1: I just saw the third one um, about a week ago, so...
0: But you're the brainiac. You should have seen this when it came out.
1: Yeah, I'm brainiac when it comes to one and two.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Draw the line. Yeah. Third one was like forgettable though, so you're fine there.
1: I actually liked it.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's a discussion for another podcast. But I think we should we should probably talk about the back to the future. The second stuff. one was also kind of forgettable too. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. The first one's still my favorite, but I don't I don't know. People kept saying the third one was trash, and like I saw it, and I I, I don't know. I thought I liked it. Maybe it's because my expectations were like on the ground
0: so no i wouldn't say trash but it's just like how many times can you go back to the future
1: (laughs) three apparently apparently three (laughs) (laughs)
0: all right so let's get into this um i don't have that much in the news segment here just wanted to kind of run through some of the marvel stuff that's going on per usual um and since we're talking shang chi i think we start off with the box office bit um so it looks like it made i'm seeing a couple different numbers I don't know if you can confirm which one is right, but I saw 71.4 million for opening day weekend, but then 90 million. And I think that number includes Sunday bits because that was updated as a Monday.
1: Yeah, I believe the 90 million is kind of a projection for um, the Monday uh, results, which I usually, when it comes to Labor Day, they kind of cheat a little bit and combine it. So it's technically a three day weekend. Gotcha. Um, and normally it's just like whatever you make Saturday and s- Saturday and Sunday plus Thursday night, Thursday, Friday. was like
0: 10 million or something like that, regardless of which one's right. Or if that projection is actually on pace to be right. That's amazing for pandemic timing. We haven't seen anything come close to this. Even
1: pre-pandemic, I heard that this uh, breaks the record for Labor Day weekend, which I, I, it's also kind of like, you know, a little bit grandstanding maybe because. I don't think there's a lot of uh, records to be beaten for Labor Day,
0: but it definitely is impressive. No, it's also like on par with a lot of different Marvel movies, so this is very impressive to see people come out to support this in a time where you're not confident to go out in public places. I think if
1: we were in non-pandemic times, this easily could have been a 100 to 150 million dollar opening
0: weekend. Easily 150. This. Yeah, I mean I mean, we like Black Widow wasn't even close to this. So,
1: I th- I think overall it did make more. Black Widow did. I mean, but but I I also have to say, Black Widow was an established hero, but also it had the Disney Plus premium uh, numbers to kind of back it also.
0: So not if I, you're ScarJo.
1: <laughs> not if you're ScarJo, that's <laughs> right. But I I feel like. Um, I don't know. Like For me, I feel like this is a huge accomplishment considering that, A, you don't have another A-list Marvel star in this movie to kind of help promote it. Um, B, this is Shang-Chi, so we haven't... This is the origin movie for for him. So, you know, he hasn't been referenced anywhere else in the MCU. So, in terms of the general audience, I think we sometimes forget that not everybody is, like, is as fanatical of Marvel as everybody within the fan base is. So... It's impressive that a movie like this pulls off basically better numbers than f nine <laughs> for the general audience, right? like' cause, cause that's the thing, like as much as I don't like that franchise, it's you know you kind of have to think you know it's the kind of like the superstar quality power uh, that drives those box office numbers for it. So for this movie to kind of surpass that, it's impressive,
0: yeah. I don't know if I'm on the same par of comparing Marvel to Fast and Furious.
1: <laughs> From a general audience perspective, though, I feel like they're they're kind okay. of on par. As much as I don't want, like I don't like to admit that, but you know, like take your average moviegoer, like they, they all they see is action movies, right?
0: Yeah, that's true. But yeah,
1: these are impressive numbers. I feel like um I feel like this movie's gonna have more legs uh than. Than the Black Widow movie, we'll see what the drop is next weekend. Uh, but I, I have, uh, I think, the strong word of mouth here compared to Black Widow. I feel like is going to drive the numbers up in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna last for at least the whole month, I would say. Uh, and it's also, I think, going to com- like affirm the executive decisions to not do a a dual release onto Disney Plus I think or onto HBO whatever the platform might be I think they're just going to go straight to movies for a few weeks
1: Yeah that 45
0: day window is definitely going to stick
1: and I also kind of have to think that this might have saved the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home release date because if this movie would have underperformed I feel like Marvel would be definitely double thinking whether they want to release that movie
0: in December or not Which way which direction would it go sooner to like save no. the quarter or it would go, like, to 2022. Push it two weeks?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I think they would have pushed it to summer if this movie would have underperformed. That's just me speculating, They though, could never. I, that would be devastating. But you gotta, <laughs> The fans would uproar. They would, but you, you, I don't know if you saw recently, but Top Gun got late to 2022. Uh, they're still thinking about pushing Venom to 2022, or they might have actually done it. I, I haven't been close to it. I didn't see that, it. no. There's a number of different movies that have been shoved over to 2022 because there were there was too soft of a box office return, um, and Shang-Chi just kind of proved that the audience is still there. You just have to have enough enticement to get get them back in.
0: So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, uh, I think we should still be on track for Spider-Man. Though no, I don't I don't think that's moving. Yeah, I hope so.
1: <laughs> I hope so. It's just that with Sony at the helm of the, of things for release, I don't know. I'm always kind of iffy.
0: So uh, the only other thing I have in the news section is uh, actually just bringing up the Marvel's What If series. Uh, We're a couple episodes behind. Uh, Maybe we can just real quick give our thoughts on the last two episodes. Uh, And they seem to be getting darker as the series goes on. (laughs) So we didn't talk about the Dead Avengers episode from two weeks ago. And then the Doctor Strange episode from last week. Yeah. Yeah um do you want to lead it off or you want my take (laughs) uh yeah i don't really have any like thoughts prepared on either of these i just think the dead avengers one was very creative because it's not something that could have played off of anything else in the series or in the in the mcu so i really enjoyed not even having a clue about what way they're going Uh, that's something that's very different from the first couple episodes of what if so i thought that was really refreshing um and then yeah why don't you talk about that one before we move on to dr strange
1: yeah i don't i don't know why there was a lot of bashing of that episode i feel like from and some of my friends who were able to watch it before i think the first three episodes were released uh for critical review i i heard really bad things about the third episode for me honestly though it might be the strongest episode of the first three uh mainly for the same reasons you said i feel like i i really did enjoy genuinely being in the dark of a lot of this it was an interesting take and it was kind of like a hero turned bad kind of moment so nice concept we haven't really seen that played out in the mcu and like you said it it took a really dark turn that i wasn't expecting and based on the fourth episode it might be setting things up for the vibe of the second half of the season but yeah, I was surprised. I actually really, really enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it's just like Disney's big rule is like you don't kill characters. And <laughs> that's all this episode was. So that was very weird to see. And you keep thinking like maybe they're not dead. Maybe they're just being uh, detained or something like that. I don't know, something stupid. But uh, yeah, it takes a character that you don't really think about that much or like if you're me kind of just forget about so I didn't even consider this person being involved in the in the series. Some of the deaths were actually
1: very brutal too.
0: Hulk. Oh yeah. Hulk's was <laughs> kinda <of> funny. <laughs> Blew up like a beach ball or something like that.
1: Yeah, it took me by surprise. I was like, all right, I thought it was just gonna be like an Iron Man murder mystery in the beginning. And then I was like, oh well, what? <laughs> it it turned into way more than that. I just wasn't expecting it.
0: Yeah. And then what were your thoughts on the Doctor Strange one?
1: I loved the fourth one. Yeah, the <laughs> Doctor Strange episode, I think, is my yeah. favorite one.
0: <laughs> um, it, you, and, it would be. I <laughs> love the dark.
1: I, I like it when it's used well and not right. like for the sake of just being you know shock value. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And I think you and I kind of share that same kind of sentiment where like sometimes there's movies that have this whole, like, oh, let's go dark for the sake of it um but this one i feel like it set up a really good it it was a really good would have set up uh and something that i think is realistic in terms of like i could kind of see dr strange going that route like mainstream um mcu dr strange so uh i like the tone that it took uh i actually had to kind of double double think my uh opinion of the series because i know i said in our review of of last week. That I thought I wasn't kind of at the edge of my seat waiting for the next episode. But I am kind of a little bit more eager than usual to wait for what they have in store for episode five. So just based off of episode four.
0: Yeah, I will also say, I'll I'll second that. That like, It feels like the week between episodes is longer than it was when Loki was showing on Wednesdays. And that's probably because there was Bad Batch in the middle. So that kind of shortened it a little bit. But when this has to stand on its own, it's like wow, a full week between 30 minute episodes uh, is a little tough to, to deal with. But I, I do agree. I do like when s- shows can sometimes go dark. Uh, I don't want that all the time. So this is a fresh uh, breath of fresh air uh, for, for the time being, unless they decide to like do this for every episode. But I think it's uh, they had a good amount of character development. It, it it's kind of on par with those first couple episodes where it gives us enough to like it deviates off of a normal plot that we're used to so for that part it's not my favorite but I think the interaction with the watcher was cool I think um, I, I enjoy that if you're going to go dark don't give them a redemption at the end like it would have been kind of uh, annoying I, If everything got fixed for him at the end there. Right. And I kind of want
1: to see evil Doctor Strange now. In the the mainstream. That guy was wild. (laughs) He was.
0: But I love how... um, The Sorcerer Supreme comes back. And just starts channeling from the dark energy again. It's like, this girl cannot stop.
1: (laughs) For real. Yeah, I, I honestly... I'm excited for the Marvel Zombies episode that's coming up uh, based off of this, because, like if they handle it this well, then my hopes for the series are a little bit higher than where they were based off of the pilot episode.
0: Do you want them to go dark with that? I'd rather them go with like a funny angle on that and like be like the opposite of what you're expecting. Like you expect Dr. Strange to be mystical, which it was, but you didn't expect it to go dark. I feel like, These episodes really succeed when they play with your expectation and go the opposite way.
1: Yeah, Marvel Zombies was a concept that seems a little bit dark, but it kind of plays with humor a bit as well. So as long as they handle it with some good finesse, I guess, like, you know, it's not like too dark or too light. They got to find the perfect balance. I feel like with this Doctor Strange episode, they were kind of playing with those elements a bit. Um so that that's that's where I hope they take it. I hope it's not a super serious kind of walking dead kind of thing. Um I'd be disappointed if it was <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but, well let's see. I have my hopes up now that they've shown what they can do with that tone. Yeah, and then how many episodes are there for the series? There's supposed to be 9. So I think we're we're right There was about originally halfway. 10 though, and then they got rid of one or something like that they got rid of one supposedly it's the ultron episode i don't necessarily know what that means
0: <laughs> um, yeah because i don't see well he was in the I, trailers yeah it was like him and black widow or something like that
1: yeah they, they that's what i had heard that the the ultron episode is out uh i just don't know if there's a big big thread that's going to tie everything together at the end of it i know we have uatu the watcher as a constant in this show but um they kind of have to work a little bit more as to seeing how they're going to tie all of it together. If they plan on doing that, like I just kind of took this as an anthology series.
0: Um, I feel like the unifying theme so far has been loss. Like how do you, like how do things change when a character has to deal with loss? Right? Like, right. So far it's all been either losing their opportunity to rise to greatness or just losing their life or losing, life of a loved one how do they react to that and it's different than um how it played out in movies
1: yeah so far it seems like if you're t'challa everything's just gonna work out just fine but if anybody else it's gonna go sideways for you
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i guess uh that might be true
1: Maybe he's just, like, too smart <laughs> compared to the rest of the characters. Like, he's he's got a better judgment. on um He's got a better sense of judgment than everybody else.
0: It could also be that they don't want to, like, kill him in the show. Uh,
1: That's true. Which
0: yeah. would be too soon type of a thing. Right. Especially since we just passed his uh, Day of Remembrance.
1: Yeah. I can't believe it's been a year now. Damn. I know. All right. Well, but
0: on a, on a lighter note, to move on, uh, why don't we get into spoiler-free general thoughts on Shang-Chi. Shang?
1: Shang-Chi,
0: yeah. Uh, Shang-Chi. I love how they took about three minutes of your time to explain the proper pronunciation. <laughs> I'm glad they did, because a lot of people are just like, Shang-Chi. <laughs> Shang-Chi. <laughs> shang <laughs> <laughs> I overheard somebody call him xiang Shang yeah Chi. like yeah you gotta give us the explanation here what would then be your was... uh, what would be your white down name um <laughs> ian wait what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> he changed from shung to sean oh <laughs> <laughs> would you just drop the v and just become ian i would have tried to be more creative yeah i'd probably be like um Nah, you know what? If it was me
1: and I had to reverse my name or something like that, i just call myself Navi because it's just take my name and just spell it backwards. Nice. nice. I'd probably be in the same ring as, as Shang-Chi and just, like, not get creative at all with how I go into hiding.
0: It's like uh, that famous line in Lord of the Rings. The closer you are to danger, the farther you are from harm. So. Well, well look
1: at Obi-Wan. I think Shang-Chi took some clues from <laughs> Obi-Wan, right? Like, he just literally got rid of Obi and just called himself Ben Kenobi. wonder if he
0: means old Ben Kenobi. No, that can't be it. All right, so do you want to kick things off with spoiler, or or should I? Spoiler Um, free. Take it away first. (laughs) All right, just general thoughts. Um, I think I'm in line with the Rotten Tomatoes scores. I mean, I'm a little bit lower than the fan audience one. I'm probably more in line with the critics. Uh, So critics is at like 92%. Fans are at a staggering 98%. This is a near flawless movie. Uh, But I did really enjoy it. I thought it had... Uh, great fight sequences. The comedic timing was on on um, a level of like Thor Ragnarok, or even a little bit better, uh, with some like true comedians in there. And then I thought the pacing of it was perfect. Like the come down of of epic fights was just long enough to lead into another one. Uh, so I thought they did that. They towed that line very well. For me personally, it's I think it has a strong case to be in the top five for me. Um, and it's really tough to like place where it is in there. One, because it's still got the shine of being so new. So I don't I want to let that like wear off a little bit before I decide. Uh, and then also when you're like that talking about like the top tier of Marvel, it's kind of hard to just put one above the other one subjectively. Uh so I'll have to see it again and probably I'll have to like think about it a little bit more. But just to be talking about it in that conversation, I think uh I think they hit a home run here. Um and I'll also like own up and say that one thing I was worried about was giving us so many trailers and so many little like clip teasers that I thought that was going to ruin everything because I would know too much. But I think they did a really good job of not giving away their biggest laughs in trailers. That is usually the sin of what most studios do, right? They, they end up ruining it before you even go see it. Cause you're not going to laugh in theaters. If you've already laughed at watching the trailer.
1: Yeah, that's true. I feel like I gotta echo a lot of what you're saying. Um, it was definitely a home run for me. I feel like this movie, I was surprised because I'll, I'll, I'll echo your thoughts on on the uh, marketing strategy here cause, and I think we kind of talked about it briefly on the last episode but I was surprised at how much of the movie we hadn't seen and and maybe even more so how much of the movie we hadn't heard or even known about. Like There were definitely surprises in there that I definitely enjoyed as a result of being in the dark on them. Uh, The choreography in this movie, I think is probably the best stunt choreography I've seen out of any Marvel movie Uh, from the action to all of it. And also I appreciate the fact that, especially after watching something like snake eyes a couple of weeks ago, um, the competence (laughs) of the, uh, the uh, cinematographer for this movie in the, They displayed those action sequences so beautifully that you were able to actually appreciate the choreography instead of going the stereotypical route of shaky cam, which uh, is very overplayed. And, you know, just I'm glad that the folks behind this movie were able to kind of give us a really good visual um, on those stunts. And for me, I feel like this does definitely, if not break, it gets near the top five. Uh, of MCU movies for for me and I've been thinking about it a lot and I think that it falls just under Black Panther which I put as my number five at the moment Um, only because I feel like uh, this movie maybe handles things really really well the one thing I don't that I'll have to kind of critique it a little bit is that I feel like the first half of the movie was where it's at its strongest and the second half for me falls just a little bit um, and i can't quite put my finger as to why i enjoyed the first half more than the, than the last half that's not a blight on the movie at all i still enjoyed the last half it's just that i feel like the first half of the movie felt like the strongest for me um i enjoyed shang chi having you know having knowing him from the comics this is kind of a reinvention for the character uh, in the sense that like, it's not very faithful to the comic book adaptation. And this is one instance where I say that's a lot better. Uh, just because I feel like um, Shang-Chi of the comics is very much like somebody that's not very in tune with Asian culture. Wrote a character that seems to hit all the stereotypes that you can hit. Uh, and over here, it was a very reinvented version of the character that honors what's come before on the MCU part. And also is pushing the right, um, you know, it's got enough inspiration from the source material to make it that same connective tissue. So it was a strong movie for me. I definitely want to go watch it again at some point this week.
0: Yeah, I, I'm planning to see it again before the uh, before it's out on Disney Plus as well. I think it was definitely worth paying a second ticket for it. Uh, and I also wanted to, yeah, just hammer home that i also agree that the fight sequences not just the pacing of the movie but the pacing of those was so perfect because it was like it's really hard to capture a hand-to-hand combat because it's so close to like the two actors are so close to each other that you either go like the camera is basically like inside them and you miss everything or it's shaky cam and you're missing everything because it's so hard to focus but i felt like it was speedy fighting, but also in slow motion where I could see it.
1: It There was a lot of clear nods to, like, the Jackie Chan style of filmmaking. Um, And this is, like, something in most Jackie Chan movies, he makes an effort to make sure that you are fully immersed in that action by sticking a lot of, like, medium to, to high, you know, higher range shots, instead of going in super close, which is what a lot of Hollywood movies tend to do. Um, Or even, like, like take the Dark Knight trilogy, for example, like one of the biggest sins of that trilogy is the fact that all of the fight sequences are very like in your face and you don't get to actually appreciate the choreography that goes into them.
0: Or they're so zoomed out where it's like you still don't appreciate the choreography because it's just like a mosh pit. Right.
1: Yeah. Sometimes a, you just see fists. Balance. Yeah.
0: But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, this is a this is a big recommend for both of us. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you should definitely go see it, whether it's in theaters or if you're willing to wait the 45 days, uh, you might run into spoilers then.
1: Yeah, or just buy it on video on demand once it comes out. Because honestly,
0: I feel like this is one of those movies
1: where I definitely do, I am looking forward to the home release of it. Um, in this day of age of streaming, I rarely purchase Blu rays, but there's certain movies that I'm like, you know, heaven forbid they pull it out of a streaming service. I still want to watch it.
0: So. <laughs> his <laughs> doomsdaying so his his dvd collection
1: <laughs> dude it happens though it happens it happened recently <laughs> with the movie i just can't think of it but i i know there are movies that have been taken out of streaming.
0: they do yeah these streaming services have some sort of wiretap on our houses because I'll, I'll be like oh you know what i think i might like just throw on a harry potter on hbo and then it'll be gone and then it, when it comes back it's like well i'm not in the mood anymore <laughs>
1: Yeah, or my fear is that at some point they're going to tier their services where they're like, if you want to watch the Harry Potter trilogy, right, right. you have to pay $7 extra or something.
0: Yeah, they they definitely will do that. All right, so let's leave the spoiler free. Let's get into the spoiler full or spoiler expensive, which would be the opposite of free. Spoiler
1: plus. <laughs> uh,
0: and let's, let's talk about a couple scenes, plots, character dis- discussions. So if you haven't seen it, you still plan to. Uh, You don't want anything spoiled. Now's the time to hop off. All right, make your Mephisto joke.
1: (laughs) There were three Mephisto references in this movie.
0: (laughs) No, there weren't. I kind of wish there was now. 57 Mephisto Easter eggs you missed.
1: (laughs) All the Mephisto, all you can want.
0: So, um, we we started off talking in the other section about the fight. So, why don't we start there, if that's cool.
1: Yeah, that bus sequence.
0: <laughs> yeah, so they had, I would I would say, probably three really big fight scenes. Um, there was more in-betweens as well, but the bus sequence. Let's start off there. Yeah,
1: it's, it was the hero reveal moment um, of the movie, where Shang-Chi basically just kind of reveals himself to Kathy, uh, who was played by Aquafina. Wasn't well, it cute? Is it Katie? Oops, my bad. <laughs> yeah, it's Katie. <laughs> Kathy. All right. Why don't you just call her Karen? I work with too many <laughs> Kathies. <laughs> no, but um, the that fight sequence though, like for me, I thought I saw a lot of it in the trailer, and that's one of those sequences where I feared I wasn't gonna enjoy it because you know, I'd kind of been there, done that because of the previews. But there was enough of it that wasn't shown uh, until the movie, and I really enjoyed it. I think I mentioned this before, but it was very Jackie Chan rush hour kind of feeling for me, uh, down to the little, like, using the jacket as your weapon. Um, And also, for me, this sequence played up, uh, it was kind of amplified with some of the humor that was tossed in there, uh, which was prevalent from, like, I guess they were, like, kind of parenting, like, a YouTube vlogger kind of
0: thing. Yeah, I was going to say, well, it's not Jackie Chan for me, it was more... Keanu Reeves and speed um, for me. Oh, yeah, that's but, true. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that was, like, the best part of this fight because I feel like I do agree that there was a lot left out in the trailer, but there was also, like, a scene reveal of this where they showed us most of it. So I felt like I saw a lot of it, and we were just getting the rest of it now. So for me, the, the best part of it was that, like, comedic bit that you can throw in there and make it uh, satirical but still yeah. focusing on revealing uh, Shang-Chi in a way that we hadn't seen yet or Katie hadn't seen yet. Um, but yeah, the, the guy from Spider-Man being in San Francisco and just, <laughs> just live streaming <laughs> it and being so chill about critiquing it. It was it was so perfect. I love the line um, that, that, that he says, because I feel like it's, it's kind of
1: like an example of like top notch Marvel humor.
0: So well, I like, took two years of karate, <laughs> yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some uh, some breakdowns of this fight. It's like us on there. It's like there's no yeah. reason for for him to have that, or yeah. nor us. <laughs> <laughs> it was very like YouTube meta though. Uh, yes, definitely
1: something you would you would think would be <laughs> posted online, and I so much so that I kind of hope that once this gets a video uh, home video release. I'm hoping that they actually release that as, like, an Easter egg kind of thing. Uh, oh, yeah, like, like an extra
0: scene or something. That, yeah. and I also want, like, I want someone to, like, be able to screen pause it and read the comments that are, go, like, lo- like, during the live stream. <laughs> I want to see what people are saying about it. But on top of that, I like that they didn't just do that for comedic purposes. They tied it into the plot for later on. Yeah, I was about to say that.
1: I love that they had that thread connecting it to the uh, Fight Club sequence later on.
0: Yeah, so the Fight Club being, like, the second biggest fight in here. So if we're just sticking with that thread, why don't we talk about that? So they're in—that was in Macau, right? Should we also count the chase
1: scene right after, though? Like, because I feel like it's kind of the same sequence, right?
0: Wasn't—didn't they just go on the airplane? Right. No, there, there was a chase
1: sequence right before they get captured. Um.
0: When the Death Dealer
1: comes in, along with the other— uh Oh, it was it Razor Fist and the, the the other guys from uh from the Ten Rings? Where? They chase uh Shang Chi down for the and and the sister for the for the pendant and they go on the little construction.
0: That was in that was right after the Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah, we're moving on to the Fight Club.
1: Oh, okay. No, I'm saying like, are we including that within our
0: yeah, analysis? Yeah. Okay. So the Fight Club in Macau plus the getaway. <laughs> yeah. Read the notes, Ivan.
1: My bad, my bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's in a shared document for a reason. I put four minutes of work into this. <laughs> my bad. Yeah, let's let's group those two together because there wasn't that big of a, a pause in between um, Shang Chi fighting his sister as that reveal, and then immediately the Ten Rings show up right after that. Uh, but with within that fight scene in the like fight club we got to see wong and abomination fighting which was kind of like did it remind you of like that detective pikachu movie a little bit it kind of did i I don't know why though i maybe it's like the
1: the pikachu versus charizard fight right like that's what it kind of reminded me of
0: yeah he looked like like abomination didn't look like the one from ed norton's mo- hulk
1: no it's it was different. i don't know if
0: it's more comic uh accurate or not yeah they Maybe gave that's... him underwear and, and ears. like yeah they gave him like fish ears or something like that which was weird to see because i'm like is that abomination like i was <laughs> questioning it it definitely is because
1: uh wong refers to him as Emil which is his, yes um...
0: it was but i just mean yeah. like it's not the look i was used to
1: no, it's not. But I feel like at this point, the Edward Norton's Hulk is kind of decanonized to a certain extent, right? Because they even redesigned the
0: Hulk. Well, then uh, is Terrence Howard's Rhodey decanonized? We don't talk about Terrence <laughs> Howard's Rhodey. He, he never existed. Well, we should. <laughs> that the, should be a what if episode. <laughs> what if what Terrence, if Howard, Terrence <laughs> Howard agreed to a contract that was lesser?
1: <laughs> Would that have changed anything? Who knows? Let's it see. might have, see, honestly
0: maybe, yeah, I feel like Terrence Howard is one of those... Because he um, would have actually gotten to have a suit, because he said, next time, baby, but he never got a next time. He's also very, like, creatively
1: involved with the stuff that he does, so I'm pretty sure that things would have gone a little bit different with Rhodey had he yeah. been at the helm. But anyway, back to the fight sequence. It, it was kind of... Um, well, I knew it was coming because of the trailer, right? But I also feel like uh, it almost seemed a little, like random to have Wong and Abomination fighting in that pit.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's Wong character, like, what his character would do at all. So I felt like that bit was weird. Also, like, you just fought a monster that was bigger than that in Infinity War, and you cut off his arm. I think you learned the tactic to use. <laughs> they seem to be on friendly terms, though. Like, is he training yeah, they, him they went or off, something? Yeah, they went off into, like, wherever they went afterwards. So they're clearly just rigging fights and... Taking paychecks
1: <laughs> behind Strange's back and the government. <laughs> it, it looked like the raft though, where they went to.
0: Oh, you have a I've, little
1: bit of a glimpse of it.
0: Yeah, I didn't really pay attention to what was in the where they were going afterwards. I just saw them leave together, and I was like, okay, well, they just rigged their fight, and they both got paid. There was also a Black Widow and an extremist soldier fighting in one of the uh, cages that you see. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. It's um I, and and I saw I like noticed off the bat like she was wearing this little like red clip on her belt mm-hmm. and it is the black widow uh insignia.
0: Oh that's cool. I didn't notice that.
1: And that extremist soldier I guess should have been my first hint of um another reference to Iron Man 3 <laughs> later in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh and then the getaway was Shang-Chi has a conversation with his sister being like they're coming for the pendant. Like, Dad's coming back for you. Who sent the postcard if it wasn't her? I guess it was um,
1: Wenwu, right? Because I can't think of anybody else who it would have been. Who was that? Uh, The father. Oh. The Mandarin, I guess. Uh, The
0: real Mandarin. Because I kept thinking, like, they're going to play off this mother angle actually being alive. I thought that too. And that that kept throwing me and I couldn't stop thinking about that. So then I started like missing bits because I was like, this is where they're leading us. And I'm looking for like confirmation bias. But um, yeah, I guess it wasn't her.
1: It's interesting that your mind went there when my mind went to like, I wonder if RazorFist found a way to write or draw on the postcard. And if he did, like, how did he do it?
0: (laughs) You mean TaserFace?
1: Taser face. We still need... We need a Disney Plus Razor Fist, Taser Face um, spin-off there.
0: Oh, Razor Fist was the sword arm.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he exchanged, like, a pen. Like, it's like a Go-Go Gadget arm. Yeah, right? (laughs) And he just puts, like, a pen on it. That's how he brushes his teeth, too. But this fight sequence, like... It tops the bus fight, which is hard to do. Like, fighting on... um, Scaffolding outside the building.
1: It was super creative, and it had a couple of like you know your standard tropes of fighting on scaffolding or like construction sites, right? But, um, it, it did it so well, and it also flowed so seamlessly that there's one sequence in that, um, scaffolding, um, shot, particularly where he's going off to to try and save, uh, Katie from falling, uh, that seemed like one of those run-on shots. It's not, but it kind of it's cut in such a way that it makes you think that's the case.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I did notice that, and that's what makes it so much more intense. Um, especially seeing Katie fall, you kind of do think that it's gonna be her end, or that like the father's gonna catch her with the rings or something like something else. But uh, the sister obviously comes back and joins in the fight, and. I like that uh, Shang Chi got to fight his uh, his old trainer. I'm just upset that we never really got like a face reveal on that person. Yeah, it kind of seemed
1: from the promotional material that the Death Dealer was gonna be such a big deal.
0: Um, but and I and I don't know whose face I would want it to be. Like whose face I would be okay with, because I feel like whoever they pick, I'd be like this guy. Like kind of like the Taskmaster reveal.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad they kind of, like, didn't really... Because if you're watching the movie and out of context, like, you ignore the promotional material, you wouldn't think that... You wouldn't expect much of a reveal from them. But, yeah, I I was thinking that we were going to go, like, a Taskmaster route with this one. Where it's, like, surprise, it's been your mom the whole time. You're right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's been Ben Kingsley. (laughs) (laughs) It was Trevor actually trained to do something. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so that, that fight sequence was really great. And again, they come down like between the bu- the bus sequence to the fight club was just enough of a come down where it's like they take a plane ride and he tells him, tells Katie a little bit about his backstory. Uh, and then they're back in the fighting. And then after this, they're out of the fighting for a while.
1: They are, but I got to like handed to the, director of this movie because the exposition that we get in this movie doesn't feel overhanded at all and it's actually kind of smoothed in. i feel like there's a habit in most movies right to tell the backstory of the hero completely in the first half of the movie so much so that you kind of get inundated with it and over here you're given just enough in the beginning and the rest of it is weaved into the rest the back half of the movie Uh, but it's weaved in so seamlessly that i you're wondering like what happened to the mom i wonder what happened and eventually you are shown what happens uh but it's not something that gets revealed immediately nor does it get played out like it's something that's super super important um so i, ju- I just really like the way that that was handled uh because i feel like most of the time movies will kind of hype up an event and, and once you get the answer it's kind of disappointing
0: yeah i completely agree and it's it's that adage of show don't tell and they did a really good job of just like using flashbacks to their benefit uh and not just having good flashbacks that were enough of what we're looking for but also at the right time because yeah like, we, we could have gotten like the mom reveal stuff earlier uh, or like him going like him um killing the last guy who got away as well But him keeping that secret the whole time was a much harder hitting when he tells Katie towards the end than if we got that in the middle or something like that.
1: Yeah. And I was kind of surprised that they went with that angle at the end where he's like, yeah, I actually did end up going through with it. Uh, Because it's not something that you normally would think Marvel would go with, right? Uh, Most of the time, it's like this. It's not that the heroes don't kill. It's just that you don't blatantly assassinate somebody.
0: Well, they didn't show it, so it's not terrible. But yeah, it is like it is a little bit darker for a uh, for a superhero that they're trying to prop up. But I mean, they just did it with Black Widow, where she thought she killed the daughter. That's true. And That's we had true. known that she killed them from or killed her from the uh, from Avengers.
1: And that's more of like an innocent, like you got an innocent killed. Versus here, it's like somebody who's directly responsible for
0: personal crime. It's vengeance, yeah,
1: yeah. That um, that kind of leads me to something I want to talk about real quick as we touch on the final fight. Yeah, um, Wenwu or the Mandarin um, or the Great Conqueror, whatever you want to call him. He <laughs> said
0: Khan too. Like, was he Genghis Khan?
1: Yeah, in the comics, that was one of his titles. Oh, uh, okay. Um, He's meant to be like over a thousand years old and he's used these rings in several ways.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Honestly, this uh, Tony Leung did such a great job with this role that it kind of breaks the cycle of like subpar mediocre Marvel villains for me. Um, Rarely do I like any of the villains outside of the Marvel uh, Spider-Man pantheon of villains only because I feel like most of the time Marvel focuses so much on the heroes that, the development of the villains doesn't quite come along uh, as well as the the hero's journey kind of thing. But for this, I I thought the the villain was handled so well, and he might actually be one of my top five favorite Marvel villains.
0: He's definitely better than most. I don't know. I just feel like he wasn't as powerful as I wanted him to be. Like that final fight between father and son. I don't know, were they going for, like, he's conflicted? Because they didn't really achieve that in my perspective. Which would be the only reason for him to be, like, pulling his punches. But he was actually trying to get past his son to open up the gateway. And he uh, he just got, like, outmatched so fast.
1: I feel like it's they're playing on the whole, like, he got too emotional kind of thing, right? Because... For me, his motivations are sound, but at the same time it's like the way about it, It's he's going about it the wrong way. But more so than that, I feel like for him uh, this this trajectory was kind of like the ends kind of justify the means. And I, yeah, I, I did feel that he was outmatched a little too quickly at the end. However, I also feel like there was some conflict in him. And the way that you kind of saw that layered out is the fact that he didn't... Like, aside from just jailing his kids he didn't go out of his way to like try and kill them um after that after the uh fight club sequences uh you also got to see enough that from like the from the family flashbacks you got to see enough that he was kind of a changed man but he was struggling with going back to his roots so i feel like he's not necessarily at his prime anymore
0: whereas he used to be Yeah, and maybe I'm also being a little too harsh because they were clear that his intentions were just to, like, reset the clock, essentially, and just get his family back. Um, And that's the only way I guess he could be with his kids again is if he gets the wife back and then can hang the rings up again or use the rings to protect them. But regardless, he has to get the wife back, which would then get the kids back in his mind
1: yeah he they went a different route with him and I feel like i i did enjoy this new route like this isn't Mandarin from the com- comics uh and I'm kind of glad about that only because I feel like the Mandarin from the comics is kind of stereotypical must literally mustache twirling um villain and over here they they gave him a heart <laughs> you know um so in that sense I really enjoyed the performance. And and I also feel like while I say he's, like, top five MCU villain, it's not like there's a lot to really pit him against. Uh, You know, there's not that many Marvel villains that stand out to me. uh, Like I said, beyond the Spider-Man villains. Or Thanos.
0: Yeah, I think, um, he doesn't, yeah, maybe he didn't have to be, like, all-powerful in this. And I'm kind of just like, it's more about just the origin story for Shang-Chi. So, that's fine. Uh... Regardless, though, the final fight between father and son, and then the final fight between son and Pokemon beast, <laughs> <laughs> um, were both really stunning to watch.
1: They were. They kind of. I was kind of reminded, and and um, I think Aquafina's character at the end refers to Dragon Ball Z a bit. For that final sequence where she's talking about how he did a kamehameha wave (laughs) at the
0: the beast. (laughs) Is that what that is? I didn't really understand the reference, but that was yeah. uh, She was like she was funny in the whole thing. I thought
1: she was. She was great comic relief without Um,
0: trying so hard, which is what makes the humor so much better.
1: Yeah, and she kind of she went away every now and again to kind of settle, you know, so we could get some of the heavier scenes. Uh, But they used it really well. But yeah, she, the 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 fight reminded me kind of of a Dragon Ball Z um, action sequence brought to life in the in a good way. Uh, looking at you, Fox Dragon Ball Z movies. I think there was two. I don't know. but they were all pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I feel like that this this had a really good um, and the very creative use of the rings too. Like I don't think we've ever seen these uh, the ten rings being used in this way. This is definitely a reinvention. Um, And I I did like that, and definitely a big change for Shang-Chi, because now he's in possession of these things, and it's definitely a departure from the comics, where he was just a martial artist. He didn't really have superpowers.
0: Does he not get the rings
1: in the comics? He's not even connected to the rings. Like, his dad is, um, and I think we we touched on this before, but in the comics, Shang-Chi's father is a very kind of racist stereotype right. character called Fu Mengchu um yeah i know um th- but that's why i feel like marvel kind of strayed away from that and just made the mandarin his father i feel Good like call. there was there was a reboot somewhere where they did that in in comic lore um but it's definitely quite a bit of a reinvention um and i think it works it makes sense and you're also tying in the ten rings and the mandarin a character that you've been kind of calling on for a bit, but never quite did a reveal for. Um, so in that sense, I'm I'm happy.
0: <laughs> yeah, so why don't we go there next with uh, with the talk. Because that's obviously a major theme or thread that we have to follow up on, is that we have already seen the Mandarin and the Ten Rings from the Iron Man movies uh, with the uh, Ben Kingsley character, Trevor Slattery uh do do you think they sufficiently explained away that plot line was that okay with you or did you want something different or uh them to like steer into it
1: i was like i've been fine with it for a while because and i think i mentioned this a while back but there's a one shot called hail to the king
0: i watched that in prep for this uh yeah i highly recommend it if you haven't seen it it's so funny
1: Once I saw that, I was like, all right, Iron Man 3's sin is forgiven. Because at some point, it's like the promise that you're going to actually get the the actual Mandarin.
0: Yeah, that's Um, on Disney Plus, too. So, like, you don't have to watch the crappy YouTube part series. So, yeah, one thing real
1: quick. It's been on Disney Plus under the extras for Iron Man 3 for so long. And I never noticed. Yes. If you go to all these MCU movies, you get the one shots if you go to the extras section but wow. they just i think within the last 2 weeks they actually took the um some of those uh marvel one shots and actually made them their own selection on disney plus so yeah Spooky. they've always been there
0: <laughs> well yeah it's definitely worth a watch it's really good prep for this movie as well um because i don't know i was i definitely saw it coming when they were like going further into the cave if i hadn't seen that i don't think i would have made that guess
1: yeah it it's it's good um it's a good material to watch but i I think uh the explanation for the ten rings was good with me. I feel like it it does a good tie in. There's a couple of questions I still have like is the ten rings uh set a division or group that we saw from Iron Man one directly associated with uh with this new installation of the ten rings from the Mandarin or was it just kind of a continuation of the life he abandoned before?
0: yeah that, um, that bit had to be answered. Uh, I think they did a good job explaining the Mandarin, but they ignored the group that was behind all the attacks towards Iron Man, because uh, it wasn't all three of them. It wasn't so just the first one.
1: I got the sense though that like the inclusion of Razor Fist and a couple of like um, um Caucasian and like kind of South Asian characters within the mix of the Ten Rings kind of explains the fact that it's it's global. The, is global yeah like it's a bigger group than what you're led to see in the movie
0: yeah and i'm totally fine accepting that i just want to know like do they have it out for iron man specifically for any reason or is it just like that was just like a opportunity in the desert type of thing
1: yeah i i I hope we kind of get something of an answer in the future because obviously we're not done with the ten rings by the end of the movie you're kind of given that but
0: um
1: yeah, I they they do kind of owe us a little bit more, light there.
0: Yeah, so I was fine with it as well. I think um I think we kind of predicted that that's what they would do. Just use it as like a figurehead that he was willing to loan out his name to throw some muscle behind it. But it's kind
1: of like franchising.
0: Right? It's weird that Katie didn't really know about him when he asked her directly, unless she was just like too scared to answer.
1: Yeah.
0: It was hard or to read what the intention was.
1: Or it's just exposition there for the audience.
0: <laughs> right, right. Um, are there any other scenes or bits, uh, like character points that you would want to talk about um, or um, maybe do after-credit scenes as well?
1: Two things real quick. I, I guess we got a reinvention of Fing-Fang Foom with that um, dragon protector for Tao lao uh, Or Tello. lo sorry. Um, I enjoyed that. I feel like that's the best way to kind of go about handling a character like Fing-Fang Foom. People have been wanting to see him, and I feel like this is the closest you're probably going to get. Uh, it's just that a talking dragon with purple pants just kind of seems a little outlandish, <laughs> even for the MCU. Um, so I, I like that reinvention. I like the fact that we're introducing dragon scales into the Marvel lore because now we have adamantium, vibranium, dragon scales, putting all those like big, uh, big name materials. Um, and this, the Shang-Chi suit just looked really cool uh, with the glowing red scales
0: I don't know it must have been obvious and I did put it together but it took me a little bit longer than I'm I'm proud to admit but I didn't realize that it wasn't a white dragon it was white because it gave away all of its scales to the town and to block up the uh, the hole in the wall or whatever I was like oh, this is a weird color dragon <laughs> it's just like it's raw skin <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I,
1: it was it was really neat to see dragons though, and it's something I thought might have been a little bit cheesy, but I think it was handled well.
0: And again, though, that fighting is like you could like you could go with other classic mistakes of making it like too dark to see anything, like a Godzilla, uh, which gives you like threats in the dark uh, appeal. But I think they did a good job with like the lighting of that fight, where they could still make it like a definitely a dark scene, but light enough that you can see it
1: did you enjoy like there's a there's two shots that i really liked in that final sequence the first is when um during the at the end of the fight between uh wenwu and shang chi when shang chi completely takes over all of the ten rings and he's coming out of the fog with all of them kind of glowing around him yeah i thought that was really cool yeah and then rising out of the water with the dragon was also a really nice sequence
0: Um, that and the and like the him adopting his mother's moves were really good both in that fight with his father. And then also like while falling from the sky and controlling the rings inside of the monster.
1: Yeah. I, I love that little sequence. So like the fact that he flowed, he used both his mom and his dad's moves. Yes. Yeah. Cause that was his dad's move at the end when he like completely, um, annihilates the, the, the demon beast or whatever we we're calling it. <laughs> um, that was that was definitely a callback to to uh, when it was moved from earlier in, in in the film.
0: Well, it's definitely like a, a yin and yang approach of their styles, where it's like the fathers was to destroy enemies, and the mothers was to like disarm them. So very different approaches, but he's able to like bring both fighting styles together in that scene.
1: Yeah, one last thing that I just wanted to point out real quick.
0: Nine tails. Si-
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I
1: love those. They look so beautiful.
0: Nine Tails and then also um Moltres was there. Got a few <laughs> different <Phoenixes>. Pokémon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Phoenixes, Ninetales, Tails, a lot of like
0: Asian iconography. Um and it was brought to life really well. It was like watching like Narnia like when yeah. I was a kid watching Narnia. I was like, "Oh my god, that's uh uh, that's a Minotaur. The, those are so real. The centaurs are amazing. If I look back now, it probably isn't great. But that's what it feels like right now. It's like being an adult and still being like, holy crap, that dragon dog is amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, the the level of detail that they got you in to immerse. In, and it just helps you also buy into that world. Which I think you and I were both like, I hope we hope the mysticism isn't too overwhelming. And I feel like we got such a smooth transition into it that I
0: wasn't bothered by it at all. Yeah, I was cool with it. Sorry, I cut you off though. No,
1: no worries. Um, the the other thing, the the city of Talo, the the whole explanation of like only once a year does does the entrance open, mm-hmm. kind of a hidden heaven city kind of thing. They mentioned there were seven hev- uh, holy cities. Um, it just like the backstory behind this uh, version of Talo is very similar to another ancient city from Marvel that I feel like they're kind of setting the groundwork for uh with within Shang Chi, which is um. The city of Kunlun, which is the um, home of Iron Fist, who is the other martial artist in in the in the Marvel universe.
0: And they're so creative with these names.
1: I know, I know. Iron Fist
0: are. and Razor Fist have have a standing poker night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it makes me wonder though, like if they're actually going to bring in Iron Fist into the Marvel universe through uh, Shang Chi's corner of the MCU. Um. Mm-hmm. So, it, I don't know, it just, like, immediately the backstory of the city is like, huh, hey, that sounds like, that sounds like Kunlun. <laughs> um, but we'll see. We'll see what kind of happens with it. I just thought it was interesting that they...
0: Which would also route. be in that same universe, or is it, like, another parallel universe? Um,
1: no, so, like, th- that parallel universe where uh, where Taolo exists, mm-hmm. they mentioned that there are seven cities of that. One of those is Kunlun, so it would have to be, like, a neighboring... Um, city. I don't know how like that location kind of works out.
0: Because um, to me, it's weird that only one town is charged with protecting that door. But if there are seven other cities right by them,
1: they're each protecting something. Um, uh,
0: okay.
1: Yeah. Like I think with with uh, with Kun Lun, it's like housing this powerful dragon. And if you punch its heart, you get the powers of Iron Fist. It, it's really bizarre and weird. <laughs> uh, but it's just like. It, that, that's, that's, the t- that's, the, um, that's the take that I'm kind of familiar with. So, it was just interesting to see Con Lund's backstory be applied to Tallow and it just makes me wonder whether they're going the Iron Fist route here.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then speaking of setup, maybe we talk about the after-credit scenes a little bit? There's, uh, there's two. There's two, so right? the first one is like right after the movie ends, before all the credits, uh, and it's Wong getting Shang-Chi and Katie to come talk about the rings with Captain Marvel and a human form of Bruce, not Professor Hulk. Uh, And basically, they're just saying, like, the material is not from the universe that they know or they can't place it. And then apparently it's sending out like a beacon uh, when he uses it.
1: I was surprised, first of all, to see the Bruce Banner version of... uh...
0: Yeah, because we saw him as Professor
1: Hulk last time.
0: Yeah, both. Obviously, he still had his arm in a sling from the snap that he performed. Uh, But I think it'd be interesting if we got like a similar to like the All Hail the King type of thing. Give us like a five, ten minute uh, Professor Hulk becoming Bruce.
1: I have a feeling we're going to see that in that She-Hulk series that they have coming to Disney Plus because they've announced that mark ruffalo will be taking will be one of the recurring cast members
0: for oh him. well that would be yeah that'd be cool i don't think it needs like a whole movie for him or too much time of another person's movie dedicated to him that's why i feel like just give us a short little like here's what happened type of thing
1: one of my friends also said that there's something on his wrist that
0: could be like a power dampener thing
1: maybe he's learned to master hulking out
0: yeah <laughs> It's like a suit of armor now or something like that. Right. But yeah, that was interesting to see him. It's interesting to see Captain Marvel with longer hair now and attempting to show emotions. That was cool. <laughs> uh, and still
1: uh, leaving people
0: on, on red there. <laughs> Just dropping out of the conversation. Bruce has my number. I'm out. Uh, yeah, that was weird. And then I, I don't know if I really care or buy into the beacon thing like that's been beeping for thousands of years since the fathers had it so like why has no one responded to it why would they just now respond to it
1: so i i took it to mean that wong meant that because he said that when when shang chi used the rings they felt it over where um wherever dr strange and his people uh, train um th- so i take it to mean that the beacon is just now starting to uh, beep out and like my question would be like well why now like what's what's it signaling to
0: oh so it's like something different about how it responds to shang chi as opposed to his father
1: it seems that way yeah and okay i know i know from the comics the rings are alien technology uh from Boiler. the yeah <laughs> well they they, they are <laughs> um and it's kind of hinted at here, too, because they say, like, it's not Chitauri technology. It's not anything that has been seen on Earth.
0: Um, like, no, I, duh. Didn't it come yeah. from Tao Lo? Like, <laughs> that's not even part of our universe.
1: Right. So I, I wonder how they're going to spin it. I know in the comics that it's it's from the uh, same world that the, the dragon is from, uh, Fing Fang Foom. But it looks like they kind of rebooted him a little bit here. So... They're obviously taking a different route. It just, it did seem odd to me that they're like, oh, there's a beacon and it's signaling somebody, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that another day, I guess, (laughs) because they didn't give us much aside from that.
0: Yeah. And then the other one doesn't really give us too much to go on either. Uh, It's after all the credits uh, where the sister is starting up the 10 rings army. Now she's including women in it and COVID friendly mass and (laughs) fancy graffiti art. So uh, it's like a, Google type of environment. It's a
1: very startup um, seeming. So I I got a lot of like Talia Al Ghul vibes from Shy Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And is, I got which a lot is of. The uh, bad, bad guy or bad woman from uh, The Dark Knight Rises.
1: Yeah. So from the Batman lore, but both her and her dad, they're giving me Ra's Al Ghul and Talia Al Ghul vibes throughout the whole thing in the sense that also in in the over in DC comics Ra's al Ghul has this organization of assassins definitely very opposed to a woman running his operations and then in order to prove him wrong Talia branches off on her own and ends up running it after he dies are you saying um, Ra's? Yeah, it's Ra's. Isn't it Raz only in the movies?
0: <laughs> All right, well, we only talk about movies here. movies trailers tv shows and anything pop culture it's mispronounced not comic books
1: (laughs) it's mispronounced
0: um (laughs) we've we've allowed a small foothold for comics in this podcast but we do not allow it in the title so all right right, well raz al ghul and (laughs) thank you respect the name
1: (laughs) well yeah she i i don't know i don't i don't know how to read the last That last, um, that the message Shang-Chi will return would pop up, but
0: it says the Ten Rings will return? Yeah, so so maybe they'll need the army for whatever comes next.
1: Maybe. But is she rebranding them to be good guys now? Because it doesn't really seem that way. It didn't seem that way, no. It seems like she's going to be straight out an antagonist or some sort of, like, anti-hero to Shang-Chi in the future.
0: Which could be cool to see. I mean, maybe we can branch out of him just having family feuds, but... Uh, who knows?
1: Yeah, I'm excited though. This this kind of sets up a uh, a whole new section of the MCU. Uh, I ca- I can't help but think that there might be setting up like the Agents of Atlas just because they have um, Wong popping up with Shang Chi, and in the comics they kind of form a team at some point to um, to stop like a, a th- I forget what cosmic threat it was but atlas <laughs> but th- there's there's like a plethora of like asian heroes that um comprise the team that i feel like they might actually be showing up in the near future especially now that we know that they cast uh name war for black panther 2 um i can't help but think that wave is coming then um you know w- we have jimmy Wu who also was a member of the team over on the disney plus show uh for was it one division so Mm -hmm. in in the comics it's jimmy it's uh jimmy woo who actually ends up recruiting everybody
0: but all right well i think uh all hearts and minds clear i think we can cut it there i mean there's still a lot more where we can talk about uh this and its impact in the world and uh how it ranks up with the other movies so uh we might even do like a part two to this but uh just wanted to get our initial thoughts out there and um, start talking about it. So if there's anything you think we obviously missed, which we I'm sure we did, uh, or any topics or, or bits that uh, you'd like us to talk about, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter, at BT4thWall, for being 4TH. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.